0: Welcome to the Canna Curio podcast powered by Cannabis Media. We're your host, Amanda Guerrero, and I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Ed Keating. Welcome. Uh, so, for today's show, uh, we will be joined by Robert Moore, uh, Cannabis Channel Manager, and Haley Hayes, a sales executive from People PeopleGuru. Uh, People Guru is a customer of ours that just uh, has been with us, and we are so curious to learn a bit more about their their HR background, Uh, but as always, we're going to jump in with Ed and see what he has for us today from the Data vaults. So
1: uh, we're in the process of releasing our latest blog post on cultivation licenses. What we're able to do, similar to what we did with dispensaries, is we look back three years to see how the market has changed, so 2018, end of 19, end of 20, and what we found, which was actually pretty interesting for last year is that California actually added more cultivation licenses in Oklahoma. They were up about 1900 versus 1300 for Oklahoma. And, uh, Amanda, I know you're going to ask Michigan was pretty far behind, but, uh, they were still third at 322. So, um, that's been, uh, a good thing for us to know just as we sort of track this over time. The other thing the team has been doing is working to identify facilities nationwide where we find a collection of licenses at a location that are owned by one company. So, so far we've identified over 6,000 of those facilities and uh, we're essentially going through the whole country, you know, mostly by hand, trying to make sure that we can line those up to help our customers get a, a size of the industry, not just looking at licenses, which is a proxy, but how many businesses are there? And we think that'll be really useful for uh, for the marketplace.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, and a question regarding the cultivation licenses, um, was there a specific location that the, in California that those licenses were concentrated?
1: Um, no, I, I don't know. There, there might have been. Um, uh, I'm not sure if they came out of a specific area, but we can dig deeper into the Data Vault and see if we can find that out.
0: Digging deeper. Um, great. Well, uh, like I mentioned, we are joined by uh, two very lovely individuals from People Guru, Rob and Haley. Welcome to the show, guys. It's so, so happy to have you. See that you're in the office now.
2: Yes. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for having us. I haven't been called lovely in a while, I'm sure, you know, I guess that a lot, but we appreciate it. We're really, really glad to be here.
0: We are. Yeah. Oh, sorry about that. No, we are so happy to have you guys on the show. Uh, I'll kill them with kindness. That's what my mom always told me. So uh, mm-hmm. here's some kindness your way. Um, now, Rob, Haley, tell us a little bit more about People Guru. Yeah, so we are
3: a cloud-based, cannabis-friendly, um, HR payroll, human capital management, Um, technology provider, and we focus on the mid-market.
0: Okay, understood. Wow. Uh, HR uh, within the cannabis sector, uh, that must be uh, a huge undertaking. Um, Haley, uh, how long have you been with the company? Yeah, so I'm new. I've been here about seven months. I started back in July. So,
3: um, you know, just learning and um, enjoying being back in the office.
2: Yeah. Now I'm really going to date myself. I was employee <laughs> number one. Of no
0: way! There. Yeah. That's so so cool. um, the
2: uh, the equity behind the company, the owners, uh, people that you know pro- provided us that uh, that funding to get started. Uh, I'd worked with them in a previous life. Came along with them for uh, for this journey, but it was actually got to be employee number one. There was a core group of us that had, had worked together before, but uh, being the sales guy, I think. I was the only one to ask to officially be named employee number one. So, uh, that was me. And obviously over the years we've grown upgraded the, uh, the talent, people like, uh, you know, Haley and our SDR team. And now Haley's grown into a, a, a full-blown sales rep. So we're real, uh, real proud of the group that we've, uh, we've assembled here. You know, Haley, she's a local celebrity. Uh, she was a strawberry queen. She's like plant city, Florida famous. So, you know, she's, uh, She's definitely the local celebrity here, but uh, we build a great team.
0: Thanks for mentioning that, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. The the energy, I can feel it from all the way here in Denver, Colorado. Uh, Maybe you guys can send us some of that sunshine too. Um, Rob, being part of the company and being, you know, number one employee, Ed and I both know what that's like, uh, you know, uh, within our both previous lives from, you know, cannabis media, but, you know, you've had a very interesting vantage point of seeing the evolution of this company and not only getting into HR compliance, but also getting into the cannabis industry. So can you tell us a little bit about what that journey was like and, uh, the role that you, you've played in there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I wish I could tell you that it started off as this grand vision, um, but it, what it actually happened with us um, is that a, a Florida based, we're a Florida based company headquartered in Tampa, we service all 50 states. Um, and I was a national sales rep at the time, so I was covering, you know, multiple states, but locally here in Florida, a group reached out to us and said, hey, you know, we're in the cannabis industry do you think you could help us and i was like well tell me a little bit more and they're they're vertically integrated so they said you know well we have uh you know we actually grow it so there's this agricultural aspect and i was like fine you know we were we have a lot of agricultural clients you know all industries all verticals tons of agriculture so that sounds good then they mentioned that oh well we have a manufacturing production type facility where we're packaging our goods and you know creating things from the cannabis um and i was like well manufacturing doesn't sound like anything unusual to us we do a lot of time and then finally they had these dispensaries which you know retail location we've got grocery stores we've got tons of clients in that space so i was like this is perfect it makes so much sense and they were at that time they were already a fairly large group so this was you know early on for us probably about four years ago um and i got real excited and i went to my chief revenue officer who's also an equity holder of the company, and I was like, I've got this great idea, I've got this client, they do all these things, I don't know that anybody else would be able to handle this, this is perfect for us, and he was like, that sounds like a great idea, we took it to the CEO, and he was like, yeah, you know, just newly legalized in Florida, we're at the you know, you know, beginning of a trend, this is a great idea, talk to our bank. This is a horrible idea. They, <laughs> if you want us to drop you, if you want us you know, to, to take all of you, not only their money, but your client's money and kind of you know, impound it, that's what's going to happen. So uh, we have a lot of very persistent people here, a lot of very creative and entrepreneurial people. So that's when the phone calls you know, to the, the lawyers began um, and then via you know, vetting. Different banks and finding out how everybody else was doing in the industry. Not that there were that many at the time. You know, there were, there were maybe one or two. So you know, we set out, and our client was awesome. Um, you know, they understood that we were facing these headwinds as we were getting into the space. We worked on some less than optimal solutions uh, for a little bit. Well, we could get that set up. So you know props to them for hanging with us while we figured it out and they really helped us figure it out but ultimately uh you know we became affiliated with the safe harbor banking network i believe this out by by you guys and we learned you know the process of you know what goes into moving money that's been associated with cannabis in a way that provides that safe uh, harbor for the beneficial owners of the companies um you know that are that are producing the, the cannabis so uh it was a Ended up being a massive undertaking, uh, very legally intense. Uh, but ultimately, we became associated with a few uh, different banks. So we had that backup and redundancy. They know exactly what we're doing. We've been through their auditing process. And then all of our clients then go through that same vetting process. Probably not as onerous as the, you know, the actual licensing vetting, uh, but nevertheless, we're keeping them compliant. Um, And, you know, I think they appreciate and respect that fact, you know, that we're taking that extra step to keep their owners. And it looks like all the legal things are moving in the right direction, like on the federal level, and things are going to be okay. But, you know, if that were to ever change, uh, you know, no one wants to be the Al Capone of cannabis that gets, you know, arrested for racketeering and, you know, wire fraud and everything else that they could potentially charge you with. So, um, you know, one of our core uh, objectives here is to provide that safe harbor level of protection for the uh, beneficial owners of the, the groups that we work with. So short story, wow. long, <laughs> short story long, they found us, and uh, you know we figured out how to how to make that happen.
0: Yeah. Well, no, I mean, there's a huge need for it in the industry. I mean, I come from a staffing background and, you know, primarily focused within the cannabis or have only focused within the cannabis industry. Um, And I can tell you, you know, there were some clients, especially very early on that it's like, you know, they were having these payroll struggles, but weren't able to get on a payroll provider. I mean, there was a situation where we, a staffing company, a well-known staffing company at that point got kicked off of our payroll provider because we had (laughs) Uh, you know, done some, uh, done some things that they weren't happy about because they found out that we were cannabis. Um, But my question, uh, and then I'll kick it over to Ed, but when you guys are looking at the ideal client profile, do you see that like vertically integrated groups are more inclined or are you working more with like cultivators, retailers, or are you just guys kind of all over the place in terms of um, who you would ideally like to work with?
2: Yeah, so our solution is really geared towards mid-market companies. So outside of cannabis, um, you know, the space where we hunt or actively pursue uh, new clients usually starts about 300 to, you know, 5,000. The cannabis space specifically, um, we've just seen so much growth in the industry where, you know, we made a business decision that we want them, we want to catch them earlier, right? So they start to make sense at at a different tier for us but uh, the actual question was probably better, better suited to you.
3: Yeah, I would say that um, a lot of the ones we target, I mean, it's definitely a variety, but I would say vertically integrated companies, multi-state operators are, are more likely like the ones that we go for just because they end up having higher employee counts and are growing are quickly.
1: So yeah. from a, um, from a uh, MSO perspective, you know, having come from a background in sort of tax and HR compliance, what I learned is that once somebody has to manage businesses in multiple states, their headaches kind of multiply. So, you know, does that fit in with sort of your middle market size where they're not in one state, they're probably in two, three, or four? And is that when the phone calls come in, you know, to, to you guys to, to help them out?
2: Yeah. So a few different kind of phone calls come in. There's the one which uh, Amanda mentioned um, my, my payroll provider is dropping me. What can I do? And it needs to be done in 20 seconds. Um, and then um, we also get the phone calls from, okay, you know, we're opening up in a new state. My current system won't allow me to have uh, multiple companies or multiple EINs within the same container. Do you guys do anything different? And that's where we start to play really well. So uh, the more complex uh, the the uh, the operator becomes the more our software can help and provide value uh, to those clients. So we don't be wrong. I love the, uh, you know, the the single state folks that are vertically integrated, even, you know, people that have three and four, uh, you know, dispensaries, uh, they're all great and they all have their own unique challenges, but where we see the biggest bang for the buck from the client side is, you know, where they are incorporating, um, you know, multiple EINs, multiple companies, and they have that complexity around tax. They have the complexity around uh, you know different companies, different handbooks, you know, just different businesses. Uh, we do really well with those folks. Uh, and the way the the architecture on the backside of the system, the way everything works, is everything that goes into the system is mapped for uh, to the client's chart of accounts. For the output, so that's what helps us with like the 280 e reporting and you know keeping these companies separately, but still being able to uh, report at a global level. So you know we see we can add value to clients all the way through the food chain, but the folks that are really you know maximizing the technology, multiple EINs, multiple states, multiple companies, maybe they have multiple investment groups, right. uh, you know behind each one of those licenses, we can really help with those folks.
1: So Rob, at the outset, you mentioned when the idea sort of came in to you to do people guru uh, for, for the cannabis space, you're like, agriculture, check, we do that. Manufacturing, yep. Retail, we, we do that. Does that help you when you go to some of these new clients where they're asking, you know, tell us about your history because this is not your first industry. You've been doing this before. You've been compliant for, I don't know how long, but does that help when people know that You already have, let's say, MSO experience. Might be in a different industry, but you know you've already been there and done that.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, that helped us get out of the gate strong, right? So you know, it's one thing to say, okay, I'll service the cannabis cannabis industry, but the next question for the client typically is, well, you can do it, but can you do it well? Um, So we did have that broad range of expertise. Where okay, you know, at one point, you know, we only had one client, right, one cannabis client. So to be able to say to them, like, okay. I can let you talk to you know a mushroom grower in Pennsylvania that will face you know has some similar agricultural style challenges that you have. I can let you talk to them. I can let you talk to you know a, a manufacturing client. Yeah, they make airplane parts, but the, you know the distribution is you know kind of a similar story. And then you know the retail. Look, how about a, a grocery store or a chain of restaurants? You know that that might face some uh, similar challenges when it comes to scheduling or you know managing pto requests or whatever that might be so it allowed us to get out of the box strong and build a really nice uh, vertical around cannabis of uh, just having those other people from the other industries that would speak on our behalf um, you know fast forward five years now we've got tons of raving fans in the cannabis space so i can say hey let me uh, let me arrange a conversation for you with someone who's exactly like you we, yeah, we do, the, it that way. <laughs> well, do
1: the same thing. We, we totally do the same thing. So lots of happy customers. So um, now uh, talking more about the, the technology side of thing, you, you know, you mentioned that uh, the software may interact or connect to somebody's chart of accounts. What other kind of connections does this software need to make? Like, does it connect to metric? Does it connect to grow software? Does it connect to you know, other uh, types of tools that are sort of cannabis industry specific?
2: Yeah, so one thing about PeopleGuru, um, you know, when you look at some of our competitors, they're reselling someone else's technology, you know, so they don't have a lot of that control and ownership. Where with a PeopleGuru, um, you know, we own all this technology; it's developed by us. You know, everybody's a W two PeopleGuru domestic employee; nothing's outsourced or offshore. Um, but we own all those APIs, and we have the ability to really integrate with anything. Um, The system's also very friendly with like a flat file uh, type of interface. So if a client wants to use a, um, like a scheduled type of system through, uh, uh, like a a secure uh, type FTP transfer system works, they want to upload an Excel spreadsheet into the payroll, no problem. So a um, lot of great ways to get information into this system a lot of great ways to get information out of this system and communicate with other systems so uh you know one of the the universal one is the uh is the gl or the finance package right uh, but there's lots of other ones there's no no real reason we cannot communicate with any other modern uh platform
1: great well um as i mentioned before my background has been in a lot of compliance industries, tax, corporate law, securities law, HR law. So this is really a, a fascinating business to hear more about. One thing that I know that's a challenge from having managed this function is trying to stay up to date on the regulatory changes for tax, HR, etc. You know, those are all the business rules that I imagine feed your engine, your rule engine, so that all the calculations are right. I'm curious how you guys do that and 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 how you're set up to, to do that in the cannabis space.
2: Yeah, so well, one of the big ways is actually through that GL export file, right? So there's a couple of things. When you're dealing with the federal government and the state of the union today, um, as far as you know, cannabis being a Schedule One controlled substance, um, we never know what's going to happen. But the federal government government's been known to do this for years, right? ACA kind of came out of the blue. It was a whole new thing. Um, that's one area or another area where you know, owning the technology, having the development talent in staff uh, or on staff keeps us ready to comply with what orders might ever, you know, what orders could ever come our way from the federal government. Uh, But now that being said, things like the 280 report, which is kind of another big one for us, um, that underlying technology of how we map everything back to the chart of accounts, we're going to track all those, you know, plant touching, non-plant touching activities, and it gives the... You know, accounting staff are real nice, nice export file. CFOs typically love us, not a lot of manual entries with this system, uh, but that ongoing, you know, legislation and uh, potential changes in laws, you know, that, that's all industries. All like California, like I believe where you're at, or no, you're in Colorado, Amanda. The California folks they keep us on their toes. So you know we have we do have legal experts that that monitor for those type of activities, and then you know any changes that come down the pipe are fed into our development team. And you know depending on the uh, the, the level or required response time from the government, uh, you know those uh, changes become implemented into the system. But it, it's a constant. I don't want to say battle, uh, but we're very aware that, uh, you know, things change all the time. And that's part of what, you know, makes the software as a service business model work. The client yeah. doesn't have to be out there, you know, Oh, I've got this new law. What am I going to do with it? How do I do that in the system? We manage all that for our clients. We push it in the release. We give them training if necessary, the release notes to tell them how, you know, how we're keeping them compliant, but it's a, it's a constant, uh, you know, operational objective of people guru, you have know, to manage those things.
1: Well, and I would imagine like your California example was a good one, because I was just going to ask about the like, California Family Rights Act, where it's sort of like a family medical leave act for California that has its own rules just for that state. But because I imagine you need to have that in place for all your other industries, it's not that hard necessarily to syndicate that back to the cannabis space, right?
2: Exactly. They're playing on the same field in that regard as everybody else. Uh, Right. You know, the the way we've developed the system, you know, we have unlimited accruals, um, unlimited uh, buckets for, you know, all of your leaves and PTOs. So, you know, adding a new uh, new code, activating it in the clients that are, uh, you know, fall within that regulatory body or agency or under that jurisdiction. um, Yeah, that's just part of what we do on the uh, on the daily basis.
1: Yeah. So Haley, trying to bring together the the sales and the compliance side, from what I remember, a lot of the HR rules get really interesting. Once you hit 50 employees or 50 FTEs, that's sort of like that magic number when FIMLA comes in and these other rules. Does that come into any of the segmentation that you do? Like, as you're trying to figure out, you know, who's an ideal client? Are they too small to benefit from the system? Or, or, you know, maybe they'll grow into it? You know, how does that factor in for you as you're trying to figure out the the right client fit for PeopleGuru?
3: Yeah, definitely. So, um, you know, like Rob mentioned, our system is very complex and it's a larger system. So for companies with less than 50 employees, it just doesn't make sense until they're you know, looking to grow to over 100 employees within um, a quick time frame. So when we are targeting these companies, well, I'll reach out to companies with about 50 employees. But one of the main questions that I'll ask is if they're looking to grow and how quickly they're looking to grow. Which normally, with a lot of these cannabis companies, especially the multi-state operators and the ones, um, you know, opening multiple dispensaries and things like that, they grow very quickly.
2: Yeah, and in quick growth, I mean, that's a it's a problem in itself, yeah. right? Then it creates all right. Well, how do I hire fifty people in a month? You know, and I'm doing everything on Excel spreadsheets, and you know, I'm printing out applications. You know, that's where we can really provide a value story. And that you know, we can not only make that paperless, but we can provide portals for the applicants, portals you know for onboarding, where your new employees can come in and do everything in a paperless format. Um, you know, we, our system adopts all the company's marks, all their you know their brand, their look, and it, you know, so it really provides a great experience you know for that new hire, like they're coming to be you know part of something big, and and it uh, you know it just it really helps us uh, build value for the client when they can not only provide that great experience. But it can make HR lives so much easier without having it. And then on the back end of that, when they get audited, all that paperwork's right there ready for them, right? So, uh, so which they most certainly
0: will get audited, especially if they're a cannabis. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's coming.
2: (laughs) Oh, it's coming sooner or later.
0: Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Um, well, so given all that you guys do within the industry and, you know, coming from other sectors, right. It sounds like you do have a pretty good, um, you know, lead generation prospecting prospect process for outside of the industry. Um, I'm curious to see how your team utilizes our platform. Yeah,
3: I can take that one. So, um, Cannabis media has been an integral part for the um, sales development rep program. We use it every day to track licenses. um, Makes it super easy to kind of filter and search if I want to look for companies with over 100 employees in my specific um, like target territories. Then I can track all their licenses. Um, I can check and see like who's opened my email and um, the most recent activity and the most recent licenses. So, yeah, it's been a great tool.
2: Yeah, not only great from that perspective, the quality of uh, the leads that are coming upstream way better, you know, than than prior to having access to that technology and that information. Uh, Before it's really a crapshoot, you know, I might get on the call and they, you know, it might be some, uh, the prospect might be completely different than what I had imagined or saw on their website. But with that additional insight, it seems like, you know, the, the SDR group is really able to provide us uh, you know, valuable information along with those leads. So all around, company-wide, it's been it's been a big benefit.
0: We're so glad to hear that. I mean, we've definitely uh, put uh, some years into this platform, about six years, right, Ed, uh, working in uh, this space. So we're, we're very glad to hear um, how you guys are utilizing it. Um, now, taking kind of a look ahead, I wish I had a crystal ball, but I don't. Um, what would have, what's going to happen for, what does this, what does the future look like for People Guru if there are changes to the 280E tax rules or the More Act passes? What does that look like for you guys?
2: Well, uh, you know, it's federal government, so we, we anticipate these things all the time, and we you know discuss internally how this might play out. Um, the 280E less of a concern for us um, in that it will just change the rules around you know the accounting, the way we're exporting data. Yeah, no, that's, we do that stuff all the time. The banking is very interesting for us, Um, you know, it could bring more competition to the space, which is always great. It could also, uh, you know, depending on how it's written, uh, open up the banking completely, Um, which for us, cannabis banking, even, you know, at our scale, moving hundreds of millions of dollars, still super expensive. Um, so it could potentially make things more profitable for us. Um, you know, we've already got have a, a really strong group of uh, clients in this vertical, uh, so we're in it to stay, whether the MORAC passes or not. Uh, but we're uh, we're looking forward to those changes uh, because as cannabis becomes more mainstream. Uh, the clients become larger. There's more opportunities and. Um, you know, we're already competing against everybody else every day anyway. So we really, uh, we like our platform, we like our story. Uh, so we think there's a lot to look forward to. And, you know, I think only positive things can come from, you know, the, uh, the banking regulations and the MORE Act. Um, and then furthermore, just societally speaking, you know, there's a lot of people out there with uh, some, I don't know, maybe um, onerous convictions for, you know, small level cannabis, And, you know, it'd be really nice just to see those people, uh, you know, be able to remove that from the records, maybe move forward uh, with their lives. So I imagine, you know, that expungement piece, the the E in the end, you know, it's very important to a lot of people. And uh, I think I'd like to see that for them.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's not just important for that group; it's important for the industry as a whole. I mean, yeah. you know, it's not just about reparations; it's about acknowledging that there were disparities in the first place and taking steps in the future to move forward to provide a level playing field. And it's important for businesses like ours to to advocate for that. So I'm definitely going to look forward to seeing what People Guru is up to uh, here in the coming uh, coming year, and uh, hopefully seeing you guys at trade. Shows soon enough. Oh, I don't yeah. know. We do yeah. yes you know. But you guys are in an office, and you're giving me hope that maybe there's <laughs> life after COVID.
2: I want to get out of the state. I haven't been to a trade show now, and I don't know. It's over oh, it's been a year. so
0: long. Yeah,
2: so, yeah. I would love to love to get out and you know, kind of meet, see people again, meet people, press the flesh, shake a hand. It'd be great.
0: Oh yeah, it, it would be. It would be so nice. Um, I I miss it so much. Um, but. Rob, Haley, thank you so much for your time. It was such a pleasure speaking to you both. Uh, It it really, um, I learned a lot about PeopleGuru, and uh, I know uh, Ed was very happy to speak Mm -hmm. with you guys as well. Um, So we're going to take a quick look ahead at what uh, Ed has for us from the Data Vault uh, for the future.
1: So looking ahead, I'm digging into the manufacturing licenses, uh, just as we did with cultivation and with its dispensaries. You know, what we've seen is they tend not to swing quite as much in terms of new licenses being issued, but they're really important because uh, especially with the focus on brand these manufacturers are starting to be really quite a force in the industry. And as their brands become more prominent, I think we're going to hear more about those. So I expect to see a a lot of time spent on that. And then we're also digging in very deeply into the MSOs and uh, the licenses that they own. We have found that a lot of these licenses sometimes get sort of hidden under subsidiaries in states like Nevada and Arizona. They're just sort of hard to unearth. So we're spending a lot of time going through public uh, SEC and CDAR filings, making sure that we have that lined up so that people, you know, like PeopleGuru, can have a good complete picture of a license uh, or a company so that we know all the licenses that they have. Because for those that size the market, knowing that they have 150 licenses is different than if they have Five licenses. So, uh, so a lot of work by uh, by the research team uh, so far this year.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, more information on the manufacturing licenses. I mean, that's just been such a huge. So, right, brands have been such a huge conversation driver over the last few years, especially when you look at markets like California, Illinois, Massachusetts, you know, people are becoming more, with these MSOs, uh, becoming more prominent in those markets. Um, I've just noticed that there's been more uh,
1: of a need or a rush to create the brand that rules them all, right? Well, that, and I I think, you know, what we're seeing, and I'm sure others are, with a lot of talent and expertise coming in from the, uh, the the consumer packaged goods industry, it's really transforming how cannabis is being sold and with more rec uh, products out there and even medical products, uh, I, I think we're just gonna see that really uh, coming to prominence as, as these companies that are basically multi-state manufacturers yeah. start to build a brand, start to advertise, uh, and I think we're just gonna see a lot more of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's a huge, huge thirst for that information. Um, good point about the the CPG, but um, everyone, this was our show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We had uh, Haley and Rob from People Guru on. I'm Amanda, uh, joined by my lovely co-host, Ed, Ed Keating, and I hope you all have a great day. And this was the Kind of Curious Podcast. Stay tuned for more updates from the date of all.